Welcome to the Everything Early Childhood podcast designed for approved providers, nominated supervisors and other childcare leaders. This fun, lighthearted and very serious podcast features weekly episodes on strategy, advice and conversations with fascinating and inspiring people from across our sector. Join the journey and have access to the tools and inspiration you need to create high performing childcare businesses. Let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Everything Early Childhood. I am back. I have just returned from a whirlwind trip, month-long trip um, over to Italy, Iceland, UK and Scotland. Um, It wasn't for pleasure. It was a work trip. So I had the absolute amazing privilege to go and visit some early learning services um, across the world on the other side of the world. And I am super excited to be able to share all of the knowledge and wisdom that I received, not only from the services over there, but the amazing early childhood professionals that I was able to meet. Um, in our journey as well and my new friends and it's been an amazing journey and I wanted to come on today to share some of those wisdom and some of those tips with you all Um, but I've only just got back so I thought it's probably not best for me to start my first episode back with um, I could literally probably talk for hours but I haven't really had a chance to it's been full on um, and I haven't really had a chance to digest all of the information just yet so I thought I'll give myself a little bit more time um, to be able to digest, put my thoughts together and my ideas and come to you with little snippets and little episodes along the way based on the inspiration from those places. But what an incredible, incredible journey. I I keep getting all these flashbacks and moments and inspiration um, coming from my time over there and I just, yeah, I can't wait to share it with you all. But for our first episode back, I thought we would do um, loose parts. So I promised you before I went away to do an episode on loose parts. And um, I'm sure during this episode, there'll be some snippets of what I have um, experienced um, overseas. But um, yeah, we'll get started on loose parts. And then I can't wait to share little parts of my journey with you as we go in future episodes and hopefully have some of my new friends um, on future episodes as well. So let's get started on our episode of Exploring Loose Parts. So I got started with loose parts after hearing a statistic that over the past 10 years, children's imaginations have decreased by 90%. Now, whether that's due to an introduction of closed-ended materials, one-size-fits-all, light-up flashy toys um, that we all know and we all buy for our own children, or devices, we're not sure, but but I'm sure everything has to do with it or something has to do with it from above. Now, our role, it's our role in today's society where we're educating children for jobs that don't even exist yet to set children up for future success. So how do we do that? I believe we do that by encouraging innovation, creativity, problem solving, and really looking into things and using their um, imaginations. Um, I think the word curious has um, 
a massive inundation. And I remember speaking to Nikki throughout all of our trips, Nikki Bukhan, and, you know, the word it was just like, I wonder. So if we use that to start, I wonder if, I wonder how, I wonder why, um, as we work with children, I think that is super, super powerful. Now, how do we do that? How do we encourage innovation, creativity, problem solving? I believe we do that by giving children open-ended materials and allowing them the time, the space and the freedom to be able to explore as explore them and use them as they choose. Uninterrupted, no adult interference, just play. It's our role to provide these materials and to have conversations with the children to build on their vocabularies and understand the meaning they are making within their own world. Now, we went a little crazy when we heard the statistics that children's imaginations have decreased by 90%. When I owned my service, we went a bit crazy to the extreme, um, after doing a lot of research, we decided that it was in the children's best interest. We literally donated every single one of our toys. So our service essentially had no toys. The children came back after the um, Christmas holidays and our entire service was all loose parts. They could move all of the items freely around the room. There were small loose parts and larger loose parts. And when, I don't know if this is the right way to do it, whether just taking everything away and replacing everything um, is quite, it's a bit extreme. Um, But, and you might want to have a mix of things. So you might want to start a mix of things, but we were definitely all in. What the children started to create from these materials was incredible, like beyond our wildest beliefs. Um, I remember um, one day a child just gathered all of these different materials and they built they started to build and place these objects around and we were just slowly observing over time and the child spent probably a good two to three hours um, during this experience building and placing and moving all of these items and objects. And I know that we worry a lot about children's attention span and we think they have to sit down and they have to do this experience. But if we give them the materials and the freedom to be able to create, it's amazing how long they will spend in an experience. And then you'll have no problem in saying that their attention span or they need um, support with their attention spans. So after the child placed all of these objects, we then had a conversation with the child about what it was and they described this massive city that they built. And throughout their whole city was all of these religious events um, that the child had attended with their family. So there was like a festival um, and then they had all these objects like placed up and they're like, this is where we lined up to get tickets. And the intricacies of the child explaining each part part of their creation was absolutely incredible. If we looked at the creation and we just taken a photo of the creation without having that conversation, we would have had no idea what meaning this had placed on this child. It's really important that we have those conversations so that we can understand the meaning without putting our own bias or um pushing the children to do something for our intent to really understand what meaning the child is making through their play. And you'll really get a really massive insight on the child. 
Now, my team used to hate when I did open shifts and I did open shifts a lot. Um, They would come in and they would find um, the children had moved every single item that they could that was movable in the space, in the indoor space. And they started placing it on the floor in in pretty much like the entire floor. I'll see if I can find a photo of it somewhere. But the entire floor was covered in things. And um, to anyone else, and even to them walking in the door, they were like, oh my goodness, Lisa, what have you done? But as they started to explain what they had created, and this was post-COVID, remember when everything started to open up and the only thing you could do is go outdoors and have picnics with your friends and family. So everyone was going outdoors, meeting up with all their friends and their families. And so what the children had created was a picnic ground. And so every space that they had created, and they'd put pillows as little stepping stones that they jumped over to the other picnic and the other family. But this was their creation. This was their invention and their ideas and imagination coming out and and what they were making meaning of their world that they were in right then and there and these this was a picnic so it was a picnic ground and there were all little picnics everywhere um to us and to sometimes as adults it can look like a big mess but if we look past the mess and start asking the children and making meaning of what they're creating there is always meaning behind what the children create so I think sometimes we need to let go of um, that control <laughs> in order to always tidy and something that I've noticed as I walk through um, services around the world starting in New Zealand, Italy um, is that they don't like the educators are not walking around all day like picking up the mess the the deal that we made with the children of that in those morning sessions was that if they were going to move all of those objects there was going to come a time when they did need to obviously put them away so that was our agreement um if they did that then they would have to help and support to put all of the items away um and we made it fun so we put all of the things and we called it back in their homes um and they knew where everything went and we went on that journey together to put everything back where it went But the beautiful thing is every single morning, for ages, like for about three weeks, they did the same thing over and over and it was different. It was different each day. They used different items, different things had different significance. And we know as we go through play that a lot of the research and theorists talk about those stages of play. Um, We might do a separate episode on the stages of play, but um, it's when things become symbolic. So for example, they might pick up a block and it's a phone or they might... um, you know, use something for someone else. And that is as we move up through the stages of play. So let's delve in. Let's talk about the history of loose parts, where it came from, how you can do it in your service. And then I would love to hear your thoughts online about either how you're currently using loose parts, um, send us through some ideas and some inspiration, or um, how this has inspired you to start using loose parts. So the history of loose parts, so in 1972, an architect named Simon Nicholson developed the theory of loose parts. The idea that loose parts materials, which can be moved around, designed and redesigned and tinkered with, create infinitely more opportunities for creative engagement than static materials and environments. So loose parts are the opposite of toys. 
Toys are used for one simple purpose where, as you never know what the children are going to create and um, that the absolute joy of loose parts, the only limit to loose parts are the children's imaginations. So there's a quote here, give a child a cardboard box and observe the many ways they can use it. And we know um, that if we give a child a box over like the toy that came in the box, children are more fascinated by the box. And we tend to still be surprised by that. I don't know why, because there are so many different things. Usually the toy that comes inside is very closed-ended, one purpose, this is what we do with it. Whereas the box, there's so many different things that you can do with a box, so many different things you can do with a stick, so many different things you can do with a blanket, so many different things you can do with pine cones, um, with wood chips, with um, hammer and nails. Like there's so many different things um, that you can do with those total loose parts. So loose parts are a collection of items, usually natural materials such as shells, tubes, blocks, material, corks, gems, Um, In play, loose parts are materials that can be moved, carried, combined, redesigned, lined up and taken apart and put back together in multiple ways. They are materials with no specific set of directions that can be used alone or combined with other materials. Now, when children interact with loose parts, they enter a world of what if. That promotes the type of thinking that leads to problem solving and theoretical reasoning. Loose parts enhance children's ability to think imaginatively and see solutions and they bring a sense of adventure and excitement to children's play. Now, there are some, there's larger loose parts, which we tend to use in the outdoor environment. So you can incorporate loose parts in both indoors and outdoors. And then there's smaller loose parts. So a lot of people tend to be a little bit worried or concerned about using loose parts with um, babies or toddlers, as a lot of them can be quite small. But what I would encourage you to do is go back and listen to our episode on schematic play. Schematic play falls really heavily into loose parts, and we need to have those materials available in order to help children explore their imagination and creativity. So some examples of loose parts that you can use in different environments might be, for example, like a natural play area. And we've got a lot, you've got a lot of these already in your environment. But what I would ask is, are these readily available for children to use? So in your natural play environment, you have water, sand, dirt, sticks, branches, logs, driftwood, grasses, moss, leaves, flowers, pine cones, pine needles, seeds, shells, bark, feathers, boulders, rocks, pebbles and stones. In a play area, you might, an outdoor play area, you might have balls, hoops, jump rope, tires, sand, water, dirt, straw, boulders, rocks, stones, pebbles, buckets, cups, containers, digging tools, chalk, scarves, ribbons, and fabric. Um, an indoor environment may include blocks, building materials, manipulati- manipulatives, measuring, pouring devices, so cups, spoons, funnels, buckets, dramatic play props, play cars, animals, people, 
blankets, materials, um, floor samples, water, sensory items, recycled materials, paper tubes, um, papers, ribbons, caps, lids, wood scraps, wire, foam, cardboard, (laughs) plastic gutters, small plungers, tools, um, art materials, so buttons, spools, natural and coloured popsicle sticks, beads, straws, paints and brushes. And often children... Well, often children, often services will have these available, but they will limit them to a creative space. What I want to encourage you all to do is think outside our spaces and allow the children to take those items or materials and use them. So they should know where everything is located. So I really encourage things to have a home which is where they sort of belong. Um, And then they can move those items and objects into other spaces of the environment to use as they choose because they know where they are at all times. So then they can go and access and resource that item or object and be able to bring it back and use it within their play because they know where it is. So for example, um, I remember there was this time we had our beds, they were stacked sort of underneath a, um, how to describe it, like uh, it was like a bench seat and our beds were underneath the bench seat. And often, you know, the stretcher bed, so they have like that little bit underneath. Um, Often the children's things would go underneath the beds, they would get lost. And so what we would encourage them to do is use their problem solving skills rather than us moving the beds and um, every time and letting them get their objects under the beds, we would encourage them to think about it and really problem solve and say, I wonder what we could use um, to get that item from under the beds. Because often what we do, we like to go to children's rescue um, and we will just take the easiest route forward. What I want to encourage you to do instead is to think about how can we support and guide children through this through this. Um, challenge or problem and help them to come up with the solution. It's our job to guide, support and facilitate children's ideas and to help them to problem solve. There's this beautiful quote that anything we do for children, we're taking that opportunity away from them to learn themselves. So anytime you come up with a bit of a challenge or a bit of a um, situation, maybe ask the question, remember, I wonder, I wonder what we can use to get that out. What do you think we need to use? Let's give it a go. If that doesn't work, okay, what else can we use? Then you can make a list of what you've tried um, and then work through that and document that journey of that child using their problem-solving skills to be able to um, solve that themselves. Now, have you ever seen those videos? They're shared all the time on um, Facebook where the children's given a traditional toy, traditional flashy toy, and then they're giving something random, such as a whisk or a tissue box. Now, nine times out of 10, the baby chooses the random object. This is how they make sense of their world. These objects are all open-ended, which means, again, that they are only limited to the children's imagination. So the child is really curious about what they can do with um, the item, what it is, how it moves. So an example that I want to share with you, I've got some really great books to recommend um, for you and your service to discover loose parts with your team. 
But an example in the book is um, like comparing language. So language such a, is such a powerful thing. And us as educators, one of our key roles is to extend children's vocabulary, the ideas, the thoughts, the concepts, um, so that they can explore those through their play and understand, start to understand the world around them. So for example, um, in a discussion with a group of two and four-year-olds, they were given a plastic ball and they used these words to describe the plastic ball. So they said it was smooth, round, curved, hard, yellow and bright. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six concepts that they used to describe this yellow or this plastic ball. It was a yellow dot polka dotted plastic ball. However, Compared to the discussion that are two, the same two and four-year-olds, um, when they were given a pine cone, they used the following words. So they used rough, curved, straight, holy, brown, light brown, damp, sharp, wonky, hard and spiky. So you can see the difference between a processed item and a natural item and the language that was used to describe and that comparing language between the two items. A lot of services get really nervous when using loose parts that they say, well, how are the children learning? How do the children learn through loose parts? When in actual fact, they are learning so much more. It's just up to us as educators to take the time to really observe and have the conversation with the children to discover what meaning that child is making from that creation. Often, the child needs time and space to be able to do it. Like if we if we make the decision to interfere too early, we know that as soon as an adult interferes with children, it um, their play changes. So give them the time and the space to be able to um, either finish or freely explore their ideas before we um, interfere or before we make that assessment. A big part of our role is knowing when we should um, interact with children or whether we are interfering with children. And that is a really great concept to reflect on. Are we interfering or are we interacting? Um, what we encourage educators to do is ask, ask to be invited. Is it okay if I play with you? Can I play with you? And sometimes you have to be prepared for the children to say no, and that is okay. So learning through loose parts is incredible. We're not locking them into a closed-ended resource, such as a puzzle where there's only one outcome, which is to finish the puzzle. We are allowing the children to freely explore their ideas, their concepts, their problem-solving, and just like all of those amazing creative experience, open-ended creative experiences, I had to add that there because I want to do a future episode on what I call like paper plate craft, where again, it is the difference between open-ended and closed-ended. Open-ended means that it is up to the child and their imagination with what they create and how they use the materials. Closed-ended means that I'm going to give you, for example, a paper plate and I want you to make a pumpkin out of the plate. These are the pumpkins. Every pumpkin looks the same and this is how you do it. It is not allowing the children to express anything. It is not allowing the children to learn, to grow, to create. Um, and what we will have if we continue to use those in brackets, paper plate crafts, which is that everyone looks the same, is that do we want a society of children that are the same? 
We are educating children now for jobs that don't even exist yet. Some of the jobs that exist today are going to be continually taken over by technology. So we want to have children that are innovative, creative, problem solvers, so that they're able to come up with the solutions for the future. One of those big solutions, which is sustainability and our environment, We want the environment um, and the impacts that we've had on the environment to decrease. We want to create smarter and smarter. There's a difference between um, intellect, intellectually smart and um, academically smart is that we want children to be able to use these skills. We don't want like learning their ABCs, writing their name. That is all academically smart. We want children to be intellectually smart, which is socially being able to question, being able to hypotheses, being able to research and look for the solutions to the problems. Because if we don't start now um, in these early years where we know by six years of age that children's brains are 90 percent developed if we don't start in the early years having these concepts and putting these foundation in place to help children be problem solvers I sincerely worry about the future so we want to set children up for success Um, there's this quote that I really like and I use it a lot in our service especially with families and it said we may not be able to prepare the future for our children but we can prepare our children for the future. We don't know what the future is going to hold, but we can do our best to encourage children with their open-ended thinking, imagination, ideas, and if they come up with and resilience, if they come up with a challenge or a problem, we want them to be able to think outside the box with a solution. And I feel that that is becoming quite um a, a die like quite I'm going to say extinct um that people if people don't have that immediate solution right in front of them they find it really challenging to be able to solve that problem and it becomes too much whereas if we create that foundation with all of these ideas and concepts and language within children now imagine growing up and having those concepts so early in life Now, you don't have to be as extreme as us um, and take all of your toys out of your room. But once you see the potential of loose parts and how children respond to them, you will be hooked. So you can start with one small section of your room or start to incorporate loose parts into each section of the room. Um, Start to collect objects from home, from families that children can freely access. Um, You can add some natural loose parts into your Play-Doh space and really start to observe with the children, uh, observe the children and what they do with them and let them be free to explore those parts. Now, when speaking to children, you might explore, and again, this comes back to our schematic play, so really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, which triggered this episode on loose parts, um, is to explore the language. So you're talking about, um, so the nouns, the verbs, the adjectives, the proposition, so rotation talks about spinning, roll, round, across, trajectories, lines, move, straight, along, positioning, grouping, build, tall, under, enveloping is covering contain hidden inside outside so you're looking at and you're building the concepts and vocabulary as you engage with children 
Now, from this book, I'll recommend these to you and I'll put them up on our Facebook page as well. Um, But I want to read it to you. It says, looking for learning, comparing observations. So observation one, Now, this is from, it's called Looking for Learning, Loose Parts by Laura England. Um, So you can buy this online. And I love her Looking for Learning series. She's got one, like they're on heaps of different things. So Loose Parts, Provocations. Um, And the other book that I love as well, it's called Loose Parts, Inspiring Play with Infants and Toddlers. Um, Both books have beautiful photos and images with examples um, of how you can use loose parts. So I'm just looking at a photo now of collecting all of those tin cans, um, so all of those spaghetti cans, sauce cans, soup cans from home um, and using those, like we've made burb feeders out of them. The children just have them in the construction space. They build towers and there's different sizes so they got they're actually really um actually I say actually like I'm surprised children are so capable children are so confident but one day they were using these um like wooden tubes um I don't know what they weren't like um paper towel tubes I don't even know where we got them from they were like industrial like really heavy cardboard tubes but they were really thick and they were different um widths so some were bigger some were smaller and they loved stacking them higher and higher and higher and higher and getting that height and they'd have to get step ladders to get up higher and they would ask us can you put it up high um and we lift them up and they would put it on top and they know that as the tower started to get higher and higher it would it would start to lean like the leaning tower of Pisa so we looked at all the buildings around the world and how they lean and stability they use the word stability and they learned that in order to make it more stable they needed to put the bigger tubes on the bottom because that allowed more stability as it moved up and they as soon as they learnt that concept they were the towers got taller and taller and taller and taller um, and they loved it particularly um, as they crashed to the floor Um, but those are just some concepts that you can learn so coming back to this looking for learning from um, Laura England's book um, looking for learning loose parts this is the observation one so she describes she says a practitioner set up an activity where the children um, sorted plastic beads or plastic bears into big and small. All of the bears were either red, blue or yellow and came in two different sizes. Other than that, they were identical in shape, texture and scent. The children began to sort the bears and the practitioner introduced language based around size. So big, small, large, little, short and tall. The children spent a few minutes sorting the bears with little discussion before moving on to another activity of their choosing. Still learning, still exploring concepts, um, still utilising, I guess, the bears and sorting them. Um, Classification, early mathematical concepts are all there. Now, this is observation two. And this and th- look at the language. I also noticed in that observation, she said, a practitioner set up an activity. So I really want you to listen to the language in the next one. So observation two, a practitioner gathered a pot of bits and bobs collected from the environment and some different containers. The items included leaves, conkers, buttons and counters to name but a few. The children started to sort the items into big and small. Child A placed all of the leaves in a big pile and all of the conkers in a small pile. 
Child B added buttons to the small pile. Child A stopped Child B and said, they're even smaller. Child B replied, they're smaller than the leaves. They continued to discuss this before making another pile of even smaller items. Once sorted, the children began to compare the size of the leaves, noticing that the leaves were not the same size. Now, what are the children learning? So look at the two observations above. We can see that both practitioners had set out to achieve the same thing. However, in the second observation, the activity was much more open-ended and allowed for the children to talk more about shape, space and size, widening their vocabulary further than the first observation allowed for. Again, going back to my previous point to extend the language of young children, we must also widen our own vocabulary and be flexible about language. Isn't that so powerful? Um, And it reminds me of um, when I was away, like towards the end of our trip, we were in Scotland and um, I was really lucky to be part of a nature-inspired school. So we went out into what they call the forest And in the forest, um, the children were able to explore. They had boundaries, but they were able to explore. And um, it was so amazing. They found this like log that was hollowed out in the middle. Um, They lent it up against um, another tree and um, they started to explore things rolling down in this log. And it was incredible, but they didn't have any um, sort of round objects. So then they decided to go on another walker hunt and they collected conkers. Um, So they brought all the conkers back and they were rolling them down um, this slide like it was awesome like and you just hear laughing and then they found this um like the different shapes in nature and different items so they would roll that down they would have races down the slide um and things to see which one went faster which one went slower which is heavy and lighter and looking at the different shapes and concepts we don't actually need a whole lot of resources we just need to be more open to how we can use the resources and allow the children to naturally find the resources and play do not be afraid of children being bored it is not our job or our role to entertain children for the day I know we can feel a lot of pressure particularly from families and I know families are paying for children to come to the service but if you really stop and you really allow the children to freely explore the items and materials around them, it is amazing what they can create. And again, you will be hooked. So I'll put these items and these objects, um, these books, sorry, and recommendations um, in. And I've also got a list of like loose parts that you can start collecting from parents. Like that includes like handbags, shoes, blankets, old blankets, cable reels, egg cartons, um, even just baskets, boxes for children to transport and carry things around. Um, What I like about this book from Laura England, she goes through different concepts. She talks about like tinker trays um, and ideas for tinker trays. Um, I remember one educator I worked with, she set up this space and we we were massively into setting up beautiful learning environments. And she set up this space and I can't even remember what she put in, but there was like a a little circle map. There was a box. In the box was just all these random objects. And we were like, you're crazy. It doesn't even make sense. Like, why have you put all that together? And looking at it, it made absolutely no sense. Like, I wish I'd taken a photo of it. 
And it was like, um, what did she put in there? I can't even remember now, but it was like a necklace, like a beaded necklace. It was like um, chains. Like it was it was a lot of shiny, different shiny and metallic objects, um, balls, but random. Like looking at it, you're like, how do they even go together? They make no sense. The children spent so long in this space using the items and materials and objects like it was their favorite place and they had so many different areas to explore and so many um, curiosities and we used to say there was something to explore in every nook and cranny Um, but they spent so long in this place in this place that made no sense to us but they made it made sense to them and to their world Um, so you know just try things like there's no like I don't believe there's like a um right and wrong I believe there's just trial and putting things out and and it and really encourage you to put materials out rather than putting out an experience um, which generally when we put out an experience we have an adult intention but if we put out materials and leave them open for children to explore and create That is the key and that is where the magic happens. So I want to hear all of your stories. Um, I want to hear all of your um, journeys about exploring loose parts in your service, how you do it, what your challenges are. I want to see photos. Send me some photos of what you do in your service and how you encourage that. If you're currently doing loose parts indoors, perhaps challenge yourself and challenge your team to start incorporating loose parts outdoors. Um, If you've got loose parts in one area of your um service perhaps look at how you can incorporate them in multiple areas so I want you to challenge yourself with how you can start using or how you can start um, incorporating more loose parts in your service so thank you all so much for listening today Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to return I can't wait to keep sharing lots and lots of stories and wisdom um, from our trips I it was life-changing even for me um to be able to explore and really, really see what freedom looks like for children. And I can't wait to start sharing all of those little concepts and principles, which to be honest, it's really, really basic, but it's not happening in a lot of services. So I'm going to break it down. I'm going to get all my thoughts together, all of my ideas. I'm going to start breaking them down into different concepts. Um, and sharing them with you all over the coming weeks. And I'll get some of my amazing new friends um, on our podcast too. So I hope you all having an amazing week. Um, get in touch with me. I love to hear from you all. Um, so letting me let me know what if you have any questions or anything you want us to explore in future episodes or just touch base and let me know how you're going. Um, otherwise, I look forward to catching you on our future episodes. Take care, have an amazing week and keep making every moment count. Thanks for listening to the Everything Early Childhood podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. We read them all. (laughs) To catch all the latest from me, your host, Lisa Brown, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa Brown underscore Platinum Ed. Thanks again for listening. Keep making every moment count and I'll see you next time.